Chapter 25, The Great Escape To not disturb the new singing performer, they walked far to the side, over the stage. The singer's notes travelled deep into Katie's mind, and she couldn't help but stop and stare. A thin lady with tattoos on her arm and a large, dark-haired beehive sung from a time long forgotten. The singer, who wore dark eyeliner with tapered flicks, noticed them and beckoned them over. Katie saw that Wraith wasn't to go, so she instinctively grabbed Alex and Lynx's hand and joined the lady, centre of the stage, whilst she sung to a full crowd of the finale. Lynx excitedly took both of Katie's hands, and together they jive-danced. Alec was left frozen to the spot. The crowd cheered in anticipation of their new entertainment. With one hand, the singer elegantly twirled Alec. He became fired with enthusiasm, and with cheers from the crowd, he spun the singer around too. Spontaneously to the crowd of thousands, they had all, except for Wraith, become the singer's backing dancers. With the final notes held beautifully by the singer, the music ended. The crowd clapped and whistled in appreciation. Katie, not wanting to outstay her welcome, touched the singer on her arm to say goodbye. The singer jangled her variety of gold and silver wrist bracelets and pulled her in for a hug and whispered, That fisherman backing dancer is a right hot minx. Katie laughed and said, Do you want to meet him? Nah, thanks, babe. I'm having a break from men. You lit the stage right up. Keep shining, babe. Don't let clouds and short days stop you. Remember, the sun is bigger than the earth. It doesn't stop shining for anyone. This is my last show, so I won't be seeing you here again. So take care. The crowd chanted, More, more, more. Katie used this time to leave. Charged like an atom, Alec was bouncing with energy and said, That was amazing. At first I was shy, but then I swam upstream against my nerves and became free like a herring. Wraith, ignoring Alec, said, We must leave. Holding a pint of water here is too precarious. We must find a way to stop the water evaporating. A fifth has already vanished. Katie didn't want to leave, but she recognised her partnered responsibility with Wraith and agreed. Finding the others was like finding a needle in a haystack. The grassy bowl was filled with thousands of revellers. Wraith wasn't concerned to find them. His priority was to leave and complete the quest. Katie insisted they look. Jane fluttered on Wraith's shoulder, and he explained their dilemma. Jane offered to help. She thought, now I am needed. She flew high and used her elevated perspective to play a real version of Where's Wally. She spotted Ajax and Flash on a grassy step halfway on the grassy bowl. Katie, Wraith, Jane, Lynx and Alec weaved and squeezed past the bopping compact crowd until they reached them. Man up, man up and rapped Ajax. Yo, 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 I ain't the man, I'm the boss, who knows the green from the lean. I ain't playing, I'm telling, rapped Flash in a unique fusion of gangster rap with garage emceeing. Katie clapped and said, I love it boys, so nice to see you guys are besties now. Ajax and Flash looked at each other and confirmed their friendship with a handshake, and Flash said, Yeah, you're all right. Gotta get with the gangster rap, though. Nah, mate, you've been converted to garage and drum and bass in no time. You love it, but just don't know it, chuckled Ajax. Another man cut in and said, Holla, you dogs are my shorties for life. He was small in stature and had a bald shining head with a moustache and a twinkling silver nose ring. You two learn fast. If I was still in the rap game, I'd sign you today. 
Yo, Flesh, I'm going to bounce now, but stay real and stay away from the thug game. It's over, hype man, and fueled by pain. Keep it real, bro, and at the end you could walk into a beautiful sunset. The man radiated a captivating charisma. He was short in stature, but his character was stories high. Here, Flash, take this, my homie. You'll need it when you're working like a dog in the gym. He tossed him a white patterned bandana. Flash grabbed it and said, Thanks, bro. Hey, come watch me fight, yeah? Ha ha, I'll watch you with all the long gone G's. It's the best seat up high. Late as shorties. And he walked off with a swagger. Katie was slightly bemused. She had no idea who that was. She said, I've got to go, boys. My time is running out. Flash and Ajax didn't hesitate, and they both said, We've got your back. Let's go. They began to make their way to the entrance. On the way, Alec was looking everywhere to see if he could spot the Queen, but he couldn't. Jane spotted an ice cream vendor, who was turning drinks into instant slush puppies. She said, Wraith, take your pint of water to her. She can freeze it, and it won't evaporate. Wraith replied, You're a genius, Jane. Great idea. The ice cream vendor had a hand switch which was permanently frozen. She protected it with a glove. Once removed, it froze everything she touched. She had made a business out of what others would consider a curse. With a quick stir of her finger, the magical water in the pint glass froze. Wraith was very grateful. He nodded for something to offer in return, but the lady said, Teach me some karate one day. Wraith nodded in agreement, but thought, I have never taught before. Katie insisted that she'd better go. The timer was halfway on the earth symbol. Her time was running out. They were back at the entrance, but had not managed to find Betsy and Mickey. She asked to leave a note with the frogs to explain that she had to go. Wraith was impressed. It was not like Katie to leave a party promptly. The fresh breeze whispered past their faces. Katie felt in control. She was leading her quest and had resisted her temptation to party. The moment did not last long because a voice boomed. Katie, my dear, at last I have found you. This game you play has been most fun. Katie shuddered and Flash said, This man is nuts. Wraith clenched his fists and said, Lutz, I won't let you get away this time. You've crossed the line. From the tall grass which surrounded the tent, hundreds and hundreds and possibly thousands of mannequins appeared. Alex said, He loves an 80s dramatic entrance, doesn't he? Of course, my good fellows. Where would the world be without drama? It'll just be facts and logic. Ugh, boomed Lutz's voice. The mannequin army stood in rows similar to that of Napoleonic Wars. A horse which had been changed into a mannequin stood tall. On the mannequin horse, Lutz strutted to the front of his lines. Flash said with anger, That's my Mustang! Flash was pained. He wanted revenge. Wraith put his hand on Flash's shoulder to steady him and said, Not yet, but you can have the first punch at him. That's all I need, bruv. Oh, boys, I do love your futile rage. It's so sweet. I can't wait until you both call me master. Lutz boomed from over 60 metres away. A loud scream echoed around the quiet and still land. Alexia twigged, and with a rare calmness he said, That's the princess. She chose Lutz over me. Wraith, we must save her. Wraith was frozen to the spot, not with fear, but without a plan. He didn't know what to do, so he asked, What do you want, Lutz? 
Great. Let's cut to the chase. I desire and will have my Queen Katie. My dear, I'm going to provide you with a third choice. There is no need for you to return to Earth or move on to what is not known. You can stay here with me forever. Katie was subdued in musing thought. She hadn't considered staying. Wraith shouted, You offer lies, you fool! Lutz clicked his fingers. Two mannequins dragged a kicking and screaming princess to Lutz's shiny white horse. Together they lifted her up above their heads, level with Lutz. Lutz removed a glove from his index finger and fired a spark into the air and said, Princess, I'm going to gift you an eternity with me. His finger turned dark blue and spots shot and fizzed from his finger. Alec shouted, Not on my watch. And he cast his fishing line which hooked the princess's dress and he triumphantly reeled her in. The princess rolled and skidded on the grass. Earlier in the day there had been some light rain so her dress became soiled and when she eventually reached the safety of Alec she was a muddied mess. The princess cried, Oh, my favourite dress! It's ruined! Alec paid no attention to the princess's pitiful cries and he cast again, deviously, towards Lutz. Alec, what are you doing? said a puzzled wraith. I'm catching this horrible eel so you can knock him out. The hook embedded into Lutz's Napoleonic 80s transfused jacket and Alec proudly began to reel him in. Lutz was unfazed and smirked and with his sparkling finger he touched the hook. The hook and the line became instantly live with Lutz's unknown transformative energy. It travelled down the line and turned Alec's rod and hand into the same hardened form as the mannequin's. Bravely, Wraith kicked the rod out of his hand. He avoided the shock because his kick was faster than lightning. The rod flew far from Alec's now hardened hand. Katie was shocked. Alec's hand was now part mannequin. The group studied Alec's reaction and he said, clenching his fist, Ain't no lobster gonna chop this off now. Eh, Flash? And he looked to him for acknowledgement. He replied, Yeah, bro, with that fist, you're gonna be the baddest fisherman in the ends. Wraith raised an eyebrow, indicating Alec was still a nutter. Attack! ordered Lutz from afar. Rows of Lutz's 80s-dressed mannequins at a methodically slow pace began marching towards them. Wraith said with a hint of excitement, We must fight, and there are so many. Wraith, we are not ninjas like you, said Lynx. Wraith addressed the group. Kung Fu means hard work. A baker chops and slaps the dough. A lumberjack chops and cuts. A stonemason hammers a rock. I've seen all defend themselves using their ingrained actions. You too can use your hard work and turn it into Kung Fu. Wraith waited for a roar of unity. It never came. Link said, I hate to break it to you. I'm a party man and I don't smash things up. And what Kung Fu movies have you been watching? Alec added, My Kung Fu rot is useless now. Katie said, What can I do? I don't think getting them to buy me a drink is going to help. Wraith was disappointed and said, Have you all learned nothing? You can always fight. It's in the mind. Sure, he has the numbers, but you have grit and most importantly, a soul. We can't run, so you can either take a whopping asking for mercy or you can throw your best punch and maybe win and at the very least go out on your shield like a warrior. There was another pause and Link said, Not bad, but I'm still not feeling it. 
Wraith, Ajax and Flash were ready to confront the mannequins, and Wraith courageously said, We shall engage them, head on. Katie, while we are fighting, forge a plan to assist us. Like three musketeers, they ran straight to the centre of the first advancing line. Katie thought hard and said, Jane, fly back into the tent and find the others and the animals. Lynx, Alec and I will alert the frogs and search through the trade store. We must be able to find something to use in there. The frogs were unwilling to help. Lynx translated the riveting to be, unless the problem was inside, it wasn't their problem. The frogs also refused permission to use any trade from the store. Lynx, a festival organiser, demanded they fetch the Queen. Wraith and the other two had now commanded battle. Dust and clouded white puffed and popped in the middle of the horde of mannequins. Strangely, most of the mannequins continued to march towards the tent. Lynx said, I can feel them coming our way. They are coming for the finale. Lutz's voice boomed. Of course, for today's efforts, I shall have my queen and double the size of my army. Katie thought, great, the frogs will have to help us now. The frogs, seeing the advancing threat, blew a loud horn and the music inside the finale tent stopped instantly. Katie wasted no further time and rushed to the trade store tent next to the finale entrance. She parted the shrouding curtains and began throwing items out. The lines of crazed mannequins were almost upon them and the two guarding frogs jumped aggressively onto the advancing line. Katie dragged out from the store a large mesh sack containing lots of hockey sticks and balls. Link smiled and said, Now, whacking a ball is what I've done half my life. That has to count as kung fu. Guys, chuck me a stick and roll me a ball. Alec passed a stick to Lynx and Katie rolled him a ball. With the wooden stick, Lynx controlled the ball. He nestled his neon green trainers into the ground and drew his stick back. The ball flew fast and straight into the advancing line. He hit the ball so hard, and when it hit a mannequin, it exploded into a white dust cloud. Lynx had found his kung fu. Like a well-organised machine gun team, Katie retrieved a ball from the sack and fed it to Alec, who then rolled the ball to Lynx, who belted it straight into the slow-advancing lines. Like target practice, Lynx shot them down with rapid-fire strokes. Alec said, Why do they move so slow? This is like shooting fish in a barrel. Katie said, They remind me of soldiers from the 18th century. I think they want to pressure us and make sure we can't break their ranks. It's working! They are almost on us! said Lynx. An army of frogs emerged from the entrance. They hopped and dived straight into battle. The close advancing lines dispersed into a fighting chaos. Katie and Lynx took a sigh of relief. From the tent, Prima and Jane fluttered out, followed by the festival queen and the animals. Evie heard the battle cries of her master, Ajax, and she loyally bowled through the chaos to run to his aid. The queen was shocked and aghast and said, I have never seen such a thing. We are not prepared for this. Vestavia has always been a peaceful place. Wraith and the other two men joined forces against the still-growing mannequin army. Wraith said from within the huddle of frogs who he was now leading, It appears that we are now heavily outnumbered. Lutz sent another line of chopping crazed mannequins towards them. It was becoming apparent that the frogs were losing numbers and Wraith and Flash were becoming fatigued. Katie was very anxious and said, We have to stop them. If they get through us, they will reach everyone in the finale. The Queen had no further ideas. All her frogs were committed to the losing battle. 
Pump up the jam by Technotronic echoed from within the pile of Katie's discarded trade items. The mannequins in close proximity to the tent froze in fight or flight. Katie recognised the vocals. It was Jane and Prima. She said excitedly, The sing box! She shoveled the pile with her hands and said, Queen, please help me. It's in this pile. Katie and the Queen cleared many discarded trade objects and found the box. Jane and Prima had niftily tunneled through the pile and crept inside. Upon finding the box, Katie held the box up high and half of Lutz's army froze. No, only I control the 80s, boomed Lutz's voice in anger. The mannequins didn't know how to dance or fight. Katie shouted, 80s music is a happy time. Turn to its light and not its darkness. Lutz had a trick up his frilled sleeve. He ordered to the front line a hundred or so white mannequined horses with sing boxes strapped to them, and from the row of horses boomed Heaven is a Place on Earth by Belinda Carlyle. Prima's and Jane's protective music bubble reduced down to just a few metres. No, we can't compete, and this protective 80s sound bubble won't hold. He will soon advance his horses. There's only one thing for it, said Katie, ignoring Lynx's pleas. She mounted Blue and charged bravely into the chaos to join Wraith and the others. At first, Wraith didn't notice Blue and Katie. He was fully occupied with fighting, six mannequins at once. He became aware when his attacking mannequins were sent into oblivion by Blue's batting paw. Wraith, enraged, said, Katie, you must stay back. You mustn't get hurt. Wraith, there's no choice. We are losing. Wraith looked beyond his immediate foes and saw that Lutz's army was growing in numbers and his allied frogs had almost been defeated. Blue hissed and snarled. Her noise made Katie and even Wraith jump in fear. Blue said through her hissing teeth, No one or thing is going to mess with my mummy. With Katie still mounted on her, Blue rampaged amongst the mannequin lines, batting and swiping through the enemy. She was ferocious and unstoppable. In a matter of moments, Blue had smashed to pieces half of Lutz's forces. Wraith cried with venomous spite, Onwards! We shall finish them! Flash and Ajax, mounted on Evie, took the fight towards the remaining lines of mannequins. More hockey balls rained down like artillery fire from Lynx, and now Alec, because Lynx had coached him to hit too. Bloodied and covered in white dust, Wraith cried, Lutz, you shall endure my wrath. But Lutz was no longer with his army, and Ajax said to Flash, He's a Frankie Howard, he's cut loose. The mannequins formed one long line, and together, all at once like shepherds, they made a whistling sound. Flash said, They can make noise. In response, they all cautiously paused. Blue's ears pinned back. From high up on Blue's back, Katie stroked her head and said, Baby, what's wrong? We're going to win. Blue mumbled, D-d-dog! The line parted and outstrutted a humongous, oversized Rottweiler. Blue hugged the floor and shivered. Lutz, who was calmly mounted on the dog, said, It was fun building your hopes, but now this game must end. I've more pressing matters to attend with my queen. Katie, join me now, and I'll grant your friends a merciful death. Never, you creep. So be it. Fido, start with the cat. Wraith shouted in the direction of Blue's flat ear. Run! Take Katie back to the palace! 
Before Katie could object, Blue was off quicker than Grease Lightning. She almost broke the speed of sound. Blue ran at supersonic cat speed over the vast open Festavia terrain. Lutz and his dog Fido struggled to close the distance, so in hot pursuit they remained hundreds of metres behind. Lutz used his opportunity to communicate personally to Katie and boomed from afar. You enjoy the chase, don't you, my love? I shall pass your test. I love you. Katie flinched as he spoke and she answered, No, Lutz, I'm not interested. You're a creep. Leave us alone. It's just the two of us now. How romantic. I know, Katie, that underneath that confident exterior is a deep well of insecurity. You need me to chase. It reassures you. Stop thinking you know me. You don't, and take my word for it. It's a no for an eternity. If I took your word, Katie, I'd be a very poor king. It's worth very little. The chase continued. A light shower of rain wet the land. A rainbow formed as the sun's rays crossed the rain droplets. Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac echoed around the land. Fido had several sing-boxes attached to his collar. In the wind, Lutz shook his wet hair. He was having the time of his life. This is our moment, Katie. Just me, you and our animals. Just like the cat and the dog, my dear, we attract. Katie was infuriated by Lutz, but not to encourage him, she kept silent. She was scared, but to enjoy the scenery, she calmed herself for a moment. The music and the rainbow created a wonderful atmospheric backdrop. She loved the song, and she decided that Lutz wasn't to spoil it. It was a shame, she thought. She was forced to share the moment with Lutz. She wished instead it was with her friends. In Katie's mind, the chase lasted for an eternity. For good and for worse, Blue would not slow. Katie was worried for her because cats aren't built for running long distance. The mountain in the horizon that Katie had been guiding Blue to had grown from a distant pebble to an overbearing colossal boulder with the palace perched neatly on top. A hundred metres directly ahead of them, illuminated by the fast-setting sun, was the thick, silent forest. They were almost back where the quest had begun. The look by Roxette boomed from behind them, which gave Katie the motivation to shout. Let's do it, Blue! To the forest! Blue reached the edge of the woods, and her hind legs slumped and failed. She was exhausted. Seeing Lutz was about half a kilometre away, she jumped off Blue to ease the weight and said... Blue, honey, you need to rest. We need to hide in this forest. The path, which was once short, was now overgrown. To escape Lutz, they must travel off the beaten track. The rhododendron bushes were thick and dense, and almost impervious to travel. Katie noticed an animal-trod tunnel leading through the thick foliage. Blue, do you have energy to go through that? She said, pointing to a tunnel in the foliage. Blue replied slowly. Mummy, I'll go till I drop. Realising they had little choice, Katie mounted Blue, and she used the little energy she had to power through the tight tunnel. Branches and foliage scraped Katie. To save herself, she clung tight and lay low on Blue. After fighting through several tunnels, they found a clearing within the forest. Fir and Japanese cypress trees grew metres apart. They intertwined canopied arches, invited and dared them to pass through. The forest floor was riddled with thick, python-like roots. Where the sunlight struggled to reach, green moss grew and spread like a rash. The clearing was a beautiful, chaotic mess. 
Katie was pleased they could now travel with ease. Climbing down from Blue, she said, Come, Blue, lots can't catch us now. The sense of optimism was short-lived. Katie and Blue slipped on moss growing from the roots of the forest floor. To continue on, they both had to place their feet very carefully, which made travel slow and cumbersome. Blue stopped and slumped across several roots. Katie thought Blue had slipped, but sadly realised Blue had given up. Accepting her fate, Katie cuddled Blue's head and said, It's okay, baby. We don't have to run anymore. A howl and bark echoed through the still forest. Fido had found them. The barking and howling grew closer and closer until, stood just a few metres away, was Fido and Lutz towering over them. Lutz sat upright on Fido and said, This is why I prefer dogs. They are strong, loyal and can sniff out anyone. Good boy, Fido. You smashed through those bushes. Fido barked with pride. Lutz jumped down from Fido and landed to what Katie recognised as a quatrine d'eva ballet pose, and he continued, Katie, my darling, such a romantic place you have chosen for us. Katie snapped. Lutz, there is not an us, you sick stalker. Stalker? You know, someone who obsessively follows a person without invitation. On earth I'd have a court order against you. Obsessive, yes. But uninvited, I beg to differ. How, Lutz, what signs have I given you? Is running away for my life and my friends risking their lives to keep you away been some? Every time you see me, your eyes widen with a fiery passion and you constantly shout my name. You always seem to be without a lover. It's obvious you're saving yourself for me. Katie couldn't believe how delusional Lutz was. She composed herself and sitting on a tree root with part of Blue's head resting on her lap. She said calmly, In your head, you have made me up. To you, I am like one of your mannequins. You like the outside and you have selfishly filled the inside with a made-up soul which is not mine. You want me to be something for you and you don't care who I am. You have no real feelings for me, otherwise you would know what you're doing is wrong. Lutz cradled his hand with his chin and resumed his usual theatrical demeanour and said, I can assure you, my dear, my heart craves you. OK, if you love me, then what's my favourite colour and what's my favourite song? How many friends do I have and who are my family? Where on earth am I from? What makes me laugh and what makes me cry? Lutz chuckled. Oh, Katie, all that's tittle-tattle. For once you join me... All of you will be mine. You like being lonely, don't you? You must do, because obviously you don't want to have any meaningful connections with anyone. Katie, I hate people. They are full of selfish complications. People left me all alone to the ride, and it's emptiness. I survived by finding happiness in myself. Yes, I have a need for connection, but I decide what that will be. The mannequins reflect me and my wonderful personal qualities. If you are always just seeing yourself, you will never see anyone else. You'll only consume your own image. And that quells my hunger. It satisfies me. It shrinks you, and eventually you will disappear. The only way to grow is to connect with others. Touching, very touching, Katie. I am offering you the chance to come willingly to me. You can live here forever. 
Why on earth, Catherine, you would want to return perplexes me. You had nothing of worth down there. No one valued you and no one misses you now. You have no purpose being down there. Come now, willingly, to me. The wind blew through the trees. The moment was sombre. Lotz's words had struck a chord. There was no one to help defend Katie. She was alone with just her thoughts. Lotz offered her a definite way to escape her pain forever. Then it struck her. Lotz needed her to sacrifice her will. He needed her to surrender to him. She had learnt from her experiences during the quest that her will was her power. She had stayed loyal to her will. It always proved to be enough. She thought, yes, on earth she had a hard time, but it had only been a short time, and she'd learnt, provided you stay on a path, moving in a positive direction, a hard journey only makes you stronger. Lutz, you need me to give up and surrender to you. I've learnt from my friends many valuable lessons. From my friend Lynx, I've learned that life's a party and should be enjoyed. From Wraith, hard work is the kung fu for life. It gives you direction and purpose and makes you strong. Jane taught me no matter how small you feel, you can always do things of epic proportion. Prima showed me life is more than just a box, and Betsy and Mickey taught me love is worth searching and fighting for. Ajax showed me life expands when you make an effort to make friends, and his dad John. Anybody can be a champ if they think and live like one. Lutz, I've got too much to live for, to choose a bleak eternity of nothing with you. So finally, my mate Flash, who's a brother from another mother, he taught me assertiveness, and in his words, I ain't going with you, fool. For the first time in Katie's presence, Lutz had an emotional wobbly. No! He shrieked, and he stomped his foot and screamed. Katie said, poking the word knife further in, What's the matter, Lutz? Not getting your own way? Through a strangled voice, he said, I always get my way. You shall bow to me. I've tried being nice and now I'm going to make you join me. At last, the real you. I can see why you hid it. Very unattractive, Katie said, remaining defiant until the end. Lutz pointed his now deep purple index finger to the air and it pulsated and shot sparks. For insolence, I'm going to give you the full dose he snapped. Get him, boys! screamed a high-pitched voice from somewhere in the forest. Suddenly, from behind the trees and from holes between the roots, thousands of white, floppy-eared rabbits darted out. They swarmed Lutz and engulfed him like he was wearing a live rabbit jacket. Out of sheer panic, Lutz sparked his index finger, ready to zap the rabbits with the mannequin treatment. But one stubborn rabbit, which was clinging to his wrist, bit his finger hard and Lutz squealed like a stuck pig. Like a young boy, Lutz spun around in a circle, screaming. The rabbits dropped off and Lutz pulled his eyes out. His destructive finger was no longer sparking. Sensing his new vulnerability, he wasted no time and scampered back to Fido. The rabbits were still growing in numbers and they consolidated to launch a second wave. Lutz knew he was beaten and said whilst sobbing, Go back to your miserable world, Katie. I could have given you it all. Not allowing Lutz to have the last word and surrounded by a protective shield of rabbits, she shouted, Earth is a rave compared to being with you. Go back to your toys, Lutz. Lutz, distraught and nursing his finger, was dutifully carried away by Fido, off into the forest undergrowth. Katie, 
gleefully looked around at the thousands of rabbits which were dotted everywhere. Their large wide eyes fixated on her and their ears stood on end. Hello, Katie. I am glad to see you, said the same voice prior to the bunny swarm. She looked down and by her feet, chewing on a carrot, was James the rabbit. Between bites, he said, Katie, you saved my marriage. For that, I am entirely grateful. Katie smiled and said, It looks like you've been busy. Are all these rabbits yours? Yep, and that's only half of them. The other half are back with their mum at the Warren. The Warren is like a city now. It's been a right struggle finding dens for them all. It's hard these days. In the old days, we'd rent from the badgers. But now, you have to own your own den. It's what I kept telling them. Get yourself on the ladder and one day you could own your own forest, like your dad. Uh, James, I hope you're not taking all the credit. There's two in this relationship, said another voice from deep within the bushes. If it wasn't for me, you'd still be living with your parents. Another rabbit emerged from the rhododendrons. Katie said, Sandra, so good to see you. Likewise, you know you really helped us. Even though at times James is a pain in the tail, I do love him. James made a few squeaking noises of affection and said, Yes, thanks, Katie. You know, you should trade your advice. You could help other couples like us. <laughs> you mean a marriage counsellor? Maybe, but I need to try a relationship of my own first. Stunned, Sandra said. What's a lovely girl like you doing without a fella? I've not met anyone. Most guys just want one thing. Sounds like you've been looking in all the wrong fields. I met James being chased by a farmer. He was eating his carrots. Before that, I was meeting men at warren parties. But all the men wanted to do was make bunnies. The trick is to meet men when they are not wanting to make bunnies, but doing something else. In James's case, he was running for his life. Where do you meet men when bunny making is not on their mind? Easy. Midday. Never meet them in the evenings, especially close to their den or a watering hole. They always want one thing to lead to another and take you back to their den. Meet them for a daytime activity where it's not possible to make bunnies. Meet a few more times and then court one another. I don't think most men would do that. You're not looking for most. You're looking for Mr. Wright. I took James a few times berry shopping. We built a real connection. A few... You mean several, said James with a sigh. Katie giggled and thanked them for their help. Sandra said Katie looked tired and was in need of rest. The other half of their children had now appeared and the forest was packed with rabbits. Sandra and James said they would stay and protect Katie and Blue whilst they slept and in the morning they'd safely lead them to the palace. So under a full moon which shone through the forest canopy and protected by thousands of rabbits, Katie fell fast asleep on Blue.